the LPGA returns to Highland Meadows Golf Course. And all Andy Alfred has you covered. From the Pro-Am on Wednesday to rounds one and two, live from Highland Meadows. From Transition Day on Saturday to Championship Sunday, all Andy Alfred has you covered. Follow the show on our Twitter, at AllAndyAlfred, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred for up-to-the-minute stats, information, and so much more. The Dana Open, presented by Marathon at Highland Meadows Golf Course. Labor Day weekend, September 1st through the 4th. Get your tickets by visiting DanaOpen.com. And so much more. Find us on the course. All Andy Elford is setting course to Highland Meadows and the Dana Open in Sylvania, Ohio. The following is a presentation of the All Andy Elford Network, powered by Anchor. And you are listening to this podcast on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. However you're listening, and wherever you're listening, thank you for tuning into the program. And you can always follow the show on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred. Oh, what a weekend. <laughs> what a weekend, folks, for yours truly today on the Anchor Network. I drank too much. 90, no, my apologies. Yeah, 96 ounces of beer I had this weekend. Two shots of Jaeger. Over celebrating German American Fest. It was fantastic. A great weekend. We'll talk about the weekend that we had. This past weekend as we begin the trek, the busy sports week that we have ahead right here on the Anchor Network. After all, week zero of the college football season is underway. College football is underway this week. Week one, the big games happen this week. And oh boy, oh boy, a shocker down in Wood County today. You'll hear from our coach Scott Luffler today. In his press conference with the media, we'll hear his take as they travel to the West Coast to take on the UCLA Bruins. You'll hear my predictions for Week 1. Big slate of games. Top 25, Big 10, as well as the Mid-American Conference. The Tigers take 2-3 in Texas, baby. The While the Guardians fall out in Fraser Crane Land in Seattle. And the Reds went in D.C. But we have arrived to the finale of preseason NFL football. The schedules are made. The teams and the rosters are being set. We're getting you ready for this season of the National Football League. But we hit the links this week. The ladies have full priority to yours truly this week. As the Dana Open begins on Thursday, Pro-Am on Wednesday, we'll get into all that and so much more on this edition of All Andy Alpha right here on the Anchor Network. Wait a minute. It's raining outside. It's Mammy Moore! Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred.
a shot at a goal. 24 runs in the span. I tell you, shut out. Dumbino hit to a home run. Go, Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that, I say, ah, I love you guys. And welcome into another edition of All Andy Alfred right here on your exclusive home for me. And that is with the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you are listening, wherever, whenever, and however From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for giving me your time and your effort to hear what is happening in the sports world as well as what's happening in my everyday life. You can be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. And welcoming you into another edition of the show on this, the 29th day of August 2022 on this busy sports week that we have for you tonight. A lot to get into tonight. Of course, you're going to hear my reflections on this past weekend as the German American Festival took place over in Oak Shade Grove. You'll hear what how I thought the festivities went this past weekend as well as a little bit of an Andy rant to go on about that tonight. Also, we'll dive into some news and notes around the National Hockey League as well as the signing today from the Toledo Walleye. We'll talk about that. Also, we will dive into, yes, of course, week zero of college football has come and gone, but the big games are this weekend. You'll hear my predictions for week one of the college football spectrum, as well as what's happening in Wood County with our Bowling Green State University Falcons as they travel to the Rose Bowl to battle the UCLA Bruins on Saturday afternoon at 2.30. You'll hear from our coach, Scott Leffler, here in just a little minute as he met with the media. You'll hear the audio for that in just a few minutes. Also, we'll dive into the final preseason schedule for the for the NFL. The Lions falling to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Browns falling to the Bears. Where does that lead us to week one of the National Football League, which will be next weekend, not this upcoming weekend, but next weekend as well. So lots to get into tonight. You can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. And we're going to get right into the swing of things, of course, and we're going to start with first on the diamond as the Tigers went down to Texas to battle the Texas Rangers this past weekend in a big three-game series with the Texas Rangers. The Tigers getting the playing the Rangers on Friday night and falling to the Rangers by a score of 7-6 to six in the game on Friday. It was uh, Tyler Alexander, the loss. He goes down to 3-8 with a 4.83 ERA. Auto the win, he goes to 6-8 with a 4.79 ERA as Lurick getting his second save with the Texas Rangers. Riley Green homering for the for the Tigers, his fifth of the season. Lowe, his 21st. Durant, his fourth. And Mathis, his third of the season. If you look at the box score in this game on, on Friday night, it was Tyler Alexander going three innings pitch, eight hits, seven runs, all of which were earned. One walk, three strikeouts. He gave up all three home runs in his outing on Friday night. 
Otto went five innings, pitched four five hits, four runs. All four were earned, two walks, three strikeouts, no home runs. His ERA a 4.79. In a game that took three hours and three minutes to play, 20,337 in attendance at Globe Life Field. The Tigers did bounce back on Saturday with an impressive win on Saturday night as they beat up on the Texas Rangers by a score of 11-2. The Tigers had 11 runs, excuse me, 11 runs on 18 hits, no errors. The Rangers, two runs on nine hits, no errors. As Edwin Rodriguez gets the win, he goes to 3-3 with a 3.6 euro ERA. Uh, Keiko, the loss, he goes to 2-8 with an 8.84 ERA. In the game, it was... Jamer Candelario hitting his 11th home run of the season. And Eric Haas, his 9th home run of the season. For the Rangers, it was Garcia uh, hitting his 21st home run of the season. As Rodriguez going 6 innings pitch, 6 hits, 1 run. That run was earned. 3 walks, 2 strikeouts. His ERA a 3.60 ERA for the Rangers. It was Keiko going 5 and a 3rd innings pitch. 11 hits, 7 runs, all which were earned. 1 walk, 1 strikeout. He gave up the home run to Jamer Candelario in a game that took three hours even to play. 34,357 took to the stands at Globe Life Field. The concluding game of the series on Sunday saw the Tigers a big win, 9-8 over the Texas Rangers. As Hutchinson gets the win, he goes to 2-7 with a 4.41 ERA. It was, of course, for the Rangers. In the loss was Harada, who is 1-2 with a 5.40 ERA. Jimenez gets to save his second of the season. The box score looks like this. It was Candelario homering again in the game, his 12th of the season. For the Rangers, it was Corey Seager having two home runs in the game, his 28th and 29th, excuse me, 27th and 28th of the season. It was Lowe homering his 22nd of the season, and Calhoun his 12th of the season. Candelario, like I said, was the only home run for the Tigers in the game. The Tigers in the game had a total of nine runs on 13 hits, three errors. The Rangers, eight runs on 10 hits, no errors. Like I said, Hutchinson, five and a third innings pitch, four hits, two runs, two of which were earned, two walks, three strikeouts. He gave up two home runs in his outing for the Rangers. There's Ara starting. He went three and a third, eight hits, six runs, all of which were earned, two walks, three strikeouts. In one home run in a game that took three hours and 35 minutes, 24,938 in attendance at Globe Life Field. So the Tigers getting two out of three out of Texas. It was great to see. Now Fraser Crane and the Seattle Mariners come into Comerica Park on Tuesday night. 7-10 first pitch for that one. It will be Manning on the bump for the Tigers. He is 1-1 one one with a 2.37 ERA. It will be Kirby for the for the Mariners, he's 5-3 with a 3.32 ERA, 7-10 first pitch for that one at Comerica Park. On Sat, uh, excuse me, on Wednesday, it'll be Gonzalez on the bump for the Mariners. He's 9-12 with a 3.94 ERA. He'll take on Tyler Alexander, who's 3-8 with a 4.83 ERA, 7-10 start for one time for that one. Thursday, the concluding game of the series, we'll see Gilbert on the bump for the Mariners. He's 10-5 with a 3.49 ERA. He'll take on Edwin Rodriguez who is 3-3 three three with a 3.60 ERA. You can watch all games on Root Sports uh, uh, Washington as well as Bally Sports Detroit. After this series, the Tigers will have three games against the Royals, and then they will travel to the West Coast for a quick three-game series with the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles. And then they'll play the Royals for three, 
four, three against the Astros, three against the White Sox. Then they'll head to Camden Yards to battle the Orioles for three, the White Sox for three. They'll finish up the season with two, three games against the Royals, three games against the Twins at home, and they will play a double dip in, in Seattle, the third, the fourth, and the fifth to end the season. So there is that for you. The Tigers getting big wins in Texas. Now they'll play host to the Seattle Mariners. Let's take a look at the Cleveland Guardians. The Guardians were actually out in Seattle this past weekend, and they fell to the Seattle Mariners in a big four-game series, losing three of four. It started off on Thursday night with the Mariners beating up on the on the Guardians by a score of 3-1. to one. The Guardians, one run on six hits, no errors. The Mariners, three runs on four hits, no errors. As Gonzalez gets the win, he goes to 9-12 with a 3.97 ERA. Tristan McKenzie, the loss, he goes to 9-10 with a 3.17 ERA. Munoz, the save, his third of the season. Hanniger homering for the uh, Mariners, his seventh of the season. McKenzie, six innings pitched, three hits. All three runs were earned, two walks, four strikeouts. He gave up the one home run. In the game to Hanniger, who is the seventh of the season. Gonzalez, six innings pitched, four hits, one run. That run was earned, one walk, four strikeouts, ERA of a 3.97. In a game that took two hours and 46 minutes to play, 24,028 in attendance at T-Mobile Park. On game two of the series on Friday, saw the Guardians fall to the Mariners by a score. By a score of, ah, here it is. Here it is. Three to two. The Guardians had two runs on nine hits, two errors. The Mariners three runs on eight hits, no errors. Uh, it was a walk-off fa- fashion for the rookie veteran Henniger plays hero on rookie's big day for him as Julio Rodriguez, the future of the Mariners, comes out to a big win for him as the Guardians fall in extra innings. 3-2 to two to the Mariners. McFree, the win. He goes to 4-0 and oh with a 2.67 ERA. Classe, the loss. He goes to 2-3 and three with a 1.20 ERA as it was the Guardians falling to the Mariners in that in the game on Friday night. Home runs in the game. Both teams did not hit any home runs in the game. Shane Bieber started for the Guardians. He went 7 innings, pitched 5 hits, 2 runs, one of which was earned 9 strikeouts, no home runs. His ERA, a 3.02 ERA. For Seattle, it was Gilbert on the bump, 6 and a third, 8 hits, 2 runs. Those 2 runs were earned, 2 strikeouts, ERA at 3.49 ERA. At a time of game, a 3 hours and 29 minutes took to play, 39,870 in attendance at T-Mobile Park. So the... Guardians falling in that one. They did pick up the big win on Saturday with a 4-3 win, stopping some of the bleeding with a big 4-3 win over the Mariners. It was Plesak, the win. He goes to 3-11 with a 4.39 ERA. Munoz, the loss. He goes to 2-5 with a 2.94 ERA. As Clase gets the save, his 30th save of the season. As Jose Ramirez getting the home run parade started his 26th of the season off of Luis Castillo. It was Suarez homering for the for the Mariners, his 24th of the season, and Lamb homering his third of the season as the Guardians getting a big 4-3 win over the over the Mariners. Pleasak, seven innings pitched, three runs, uh, three hits, three earned runs. All three were earned, by the way. 
six strikeouts. He gave up all three runs that he gave up were home runs. ERA of a 4.39 ERA. Luis Castillo went six innings pitch, four hits, one run. That run was earned one walk, 10 strikeouts, one home run. He gave it up to Jose Ramirez in a game that took only two hours and 48 minutes to play. 45,586 in attendance on Saturday for the Ichiro Suzuki retirement. There's that for you. The Guardians couldn't finish the job on Sunday as the Guardians fell to the Mariners and losing 3 of 4 to Seattle. By a score of four to nothing, as Robbie Ray gets the win, he goes to eleven and eight with a three point five eight ERA. Cervelli, the loss, he goes to two and six with a five point four zero ERA. In this one, more homering his sixth of the season, and France getting his fifteenth of the season. No homerings hit for the Guardians in that game. It was Cervelli six and a third, four hits, four runs, all of which were earned. Two walks, five strikeouts, two home runs in the game that he gave up for Robbie Ray. Seven innings pitched, three hits, none. No earn, no runs, no walks, seven strikeouts, ERA of a 3.58 in a game that took two hours and 31 minutes to play 45,190 in attendance at T-Mobile Park. So the Guardians falling three of four to the Mariners. We now get back to progressive field for a three-game series with the Baltimore Orioles. It will be Quintel on the bump. Tomorrow night, 6-10 first pitch at Progressive Field. He's 10-5 with a 3.59 ERA. He'll take out Watkins, who's 4-4 with a 3.96 ERA. 6-10 start time for that one. Wednesday's game sees McKenzie on the bump, 9-10 with a 3.17 ERA. He'll take out Lyles, who's 9-9 with a 4.45 ERA. 6-10 start time for that one. Including game on Thursday, we'll see Shane Beaver on the bump, 8-7 with a 3.02 ERA. Brabish will start for Baltimore. He's 2-5 and five with a 5.63 ERA. After the series against Baltimore, the Guardians will then take on the Mariners at Progressive Field for a quick three-game series. A 7-10 first pitch on Friday, 7-15 on Saturday, and a 2-40 first pitch on Sunday before heading to Kansas City for three, and then Minnesota for three. Then they'll welcome in the Angels for a quick three-game series of that one, then they will make up a game against the White Sox on the 15th of September before playing a total of five games, five games against the Minnesota Twins, 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th of September before going to the south side for three, going down to Arlington for three, before hosting the Rays for three, and then the Royals for f- for a total of Six games, unbelievable, six games with the Royals to end the season. So that's the American League for you right there. The Tigers' big win series win over Texas. The Guardians falling to Frazier Crane and the Seattle Mariners. Let's take a look into the senior circuit. Let's take a look at the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds went into into the beautiful city of D.C., Washington, D.C., this past weekend for a big series against the Washington Nationals. Nationals. One of the worst teams in the in the division. And they went into the series, you know, looking to to really, you know, bounce back after the struggles that they had this past this past weekend. And they took on the Washington national team and they got a big series win out of this one. 
It started off on Friday night with a big 7-3 win over the Washington Nationals on Friday night. As it was minor, the win, he goes to 3-10 with a 6.10 ERA. Savali, the loss, he goes to 0-1 with a 14.54 ERA. Volt homering for Washington, his 17th of the season. For the Reds, it was minor, seven innings pitched, six hits, two runs. Those two runs were earned, seven strikeouts, one home run. ERA of a 6.10 ERA for Washington. It was Savali, four and a third innings pitched, six hits, seven runs. All seven were earned, two walks, six strikeouts. ERA of a 14.54 ERA. Three hours, seven minutes took to play the game. 31,256 in attendance at Nationals Park. We get to Saturday's game. The Reds a big 6-2 win over the Washington Nationals. As it was Farmer homering. Kyle Farmer, his eighth. Frito, his second. Moran, his fifth. For the Reds, as the Reds had six runs on 12 hits. No errors. A big six four-run, six-inning for the Reds. Helped them out. The Nationals, two runs on eight hits. No errors in the game. It was Thomas homering his 13th of the season. As Guerrero gets the win, he goes to 1-0 with a 4.91 ERA. Espo, the loss, he goes to 0-6 with a 4.35 ERA. Davies, the save, his 6th of the season. For the Reds in the game, it was Saucy starting. He went 4 innings pitch, 4 hits, 1 run. That run was earned 1 walk, 1 str- one home run. ERA of a 5.36. Espo, the loss, he went to 5 in the third innings pitch, 7 hits, Three runs all three were earned. No walks, four strikeouts. He gave up one home run. ERA of a 4.35 ERA. Time of the game, three hours and five minutes took to play. 30,325 at attendance at Nationals Park. We get to Sunday's game. The Reds could not complete the sweep. The Nationals get the better of the Reds as the Nationals win 3-2 over the Reds. Nationals three runs on six hits, one error. The Reds two runs on five hits, no errors in the game. As Corbin gets the win, he goes to five and seventeen with a six point five six ERA. Lodo the loss, he goes to three and five with a four point three zero ERA. Flanagan the save, his eighth of the season as Fairchild homering for the Reds, his third of the season. Vargas his fourth home run for the Washington Nationals as Lodo went seven innings, pitched five hits, three runs, all three were earned. One walk, five strikeouts, one home run. His ERA of 4.30 ERA for Washington. It was Corbin who went six innings pitch, four hits, two runs. That run was one of which were earned. One walk, five strikeouts, home run he gave up in his outing. His ERA of 6.56 ERA. Time of the game, two hours and 21 minutes, 31,411 at Nationals Park. The Reds will now have a big series against the St. Louis Cardinals. It is three games against the Cardinals, which will start tonight. They're actually delayed right now in 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 uh, the beautiful city, Queen City of Cincinnati. They'll play three games against the Cardinals and then three against the Rockies before they travel to the north side to battle of the Cubs for a three-game series, three games against the Brewers before playing four games against the Pirates, 12th, 13th, and 14th. Then they'll go to St. Louis for four game for five games in four days with a po- doubleheader on the 17th. It'll be a two-game series against the Red Sox, four-game series against the Brewers, three games against the Pirates, and then three games at Wrigley, and then three games at home against the Cubs to end this regular season. And that is the look around Major League Baseball. Let's take a look at the standings going into today's play. Of course, let's start off with the Central Division. The, in, the excuse me, the former Indians, now the Guardians. 
In the top spot at 67 and 59, the Minnesota Twins 65 and 61, two games out of first place. The White Sox 63 and 65, five games out of first place. Kansas City 52 and 77, 16 and a half games out of first place. And the Detroit Tigers are 50 and 78, 18 games out of first place. In the East, it is run by the Yankees at 78 and 50. It is Tampa in second at 70 and 57. Toronto 68 and 58, nine games out of first place. Uh, Tampa seven and a half games out of first place, by the way. Baltimore 67 and 60, 10 and a half games out. And Boston 62 and 66, 16 games out of first place. Houston holding the top spot in the West, and they are holding the best record in the American League at 82 and 47. Seattle is in second at 70 and 58, 11 and a half games out of first place. Texas 58 and 69, 23 games out of first place. The Angels are 55 and 73, 26 and a half games out of first place. And the Oakland Athletics are in last spot, worst team in the American League at 48 and 81, 34 games out of first place. In the senior circuit in the Central Division, the Cardinals on the top spot at 74 and 54. The Brewers are in second at 67 and 59, six games out of first place. Cubs 55 and 73, 19 games out of first place. The Reds are 50 and 76 at 23 games out of first place. And the Pirates are 48 and 79, 25 and a half games out of first place. In the East, it's pretty much a shaking, a little bit, a little bit of a shaking up for that. As the Mets are in the top spot at 82 and 47. The Atlanta Braves are 79 and 53 games out of first place. The Phillies are 72 and 56, nine and a half games out of first place. Miami 55 and 72, 26 games out of first place. And the Washington Nationals are 43 and 85, 38 and a half games out of first place. In the West, is run by the Dodgers. The Dodgers have won the division, I think, in my opinion. 88 and 38 is their record right now. San Diego in second spot at 70 and 59, 19 and a half games out of first place. San Francisco is 61 and 65, 27 games out of first place. Arizona 59 and 67, 29 games out of first place. And the Colorado Rockies are 55 and 74, 34 and a half games out of first place. News and notes from around Major League Baseball are as follows. Of course, uh, it looks like it's going to be Tony Golson is scheduled to start against the Marlins on Monday. He will be with was scheduled to start with the, against the Marlins today, but instead will be without him for at least a few weeks as the team has placed him on the 15-day disablement with right forearm strain. Uh, you also have the big move, uh, big moves, of course. Like I said, Votto eager to finish his career strong in Cincinnati, so that's a good sign that he might be saying. Also, congratulations are in order to the Hawaiian Hawaiian Little League team for winning the Little League World Series. Congratulations to them. Also, got to make mention of this too. It was announced that that Mark DeRosa will be the manager for the Team USA in the World Baseball Classic, which will be coming up in this in this uh, next season. Uh, Justin Verlander is out. Leading candidate for the Cy Young is out. Uh, with a calf discomfort pulled after three innings set to go MRI this upcoming week. So there is that for you guys. Of course, like I mentioned before, the Reds, big big series against the Cardinals. You have the Guardians taking on the Orioles and the Tigers taking on the Mariners. So a lot of baseball as we head down the stretch to the final postseason run of Major League Baseball. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, 
Bleaker, Stitcher, however you are listening, wherever and however you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. And now let's hit the gridiron. <sighs> let's talk about the Lions really quickly. So we now we look at the final week of preseason in the National Football League this past weekend. And it was a doozy of one, to say the least, of what happened this past weekend in the National Football League. As week three of preseason has come and passed, let's take a look at some of the games of note. Kansas City, a 17-10 win over the Packers. It was the Texans, a 17-0 win over the 49ers. The Bills fall to the Panthers, 21-0. The Seahawks fall to the Cowboys by a score of 27-26. The Saints a winner 27-10 over the San, over the L.A. Chargers. The Raiders beating up on the Patriots 23-6. And then we get to Saturday. And we'll first start off, first and foremost, with the, the Browns. The, Justin Fields had a game in this one. He went 14-16 for 16 for 156 yards, three TDs in his outing as the new starter Jacoby Brissett for the for the Browns, 13 for 23 for 109 yards, one TD in the game, no t- one interception in the game, no TDs for Brissett as the Bears beat the Browns 21 to 20. The Bears go 3 and 0 in preseason. The Browns go to 1 and 2 in preseason play. For Fields, like I said, 14 for 26, 156 yards, three TDs. His R- RTG is a 146.9. And it's good positives for the Bears. Montgomery, nine carries for 28 yards. Evans, four carries, 18 yards in the outing. Colaire, three catches, 61 yards. Pettis, three catches, 37 yards, one TD. Komet, three catches, 36 yards, one TD. And Griffin, one catch, 22 yards, one TD. For the Browns in their outing, Jacoby Brissett, 13 for 23 for 109 yards, one interception. Uh, Dobbs came in. He pretty much played pretty well. 11 for 20 for 89 yards, one TD. RTG is a 83.1. But Josh Rosen is the key one. This is your. This is, I think, in my opinion, who the number two is for right now. For right now, for the first 11 games, Rosen four for six for 42 yards. His rating was of 86.8. Tells you something right there. No Nick Chubb, so uh, Kelly Jr. was the leading rusher. 13 carries for 31 yards. Rosen ran the football. Three carries for 7 yards. One TD in his outing. Full set. Two carries. Two catches. 13 yards. One TD. Junjoku. Three catches. 34 yards. Bradley. Two catches. 26 yards. Bell. Three catches. 36 yards. Overall team stats. The Browns had 19 first downs. They were three, 6 for 18 in third down completion. See, 3 for 4 on fourth down. The Bears, 21 first downs. They were 1 for 8 on third down, 1 for 1 on fourth down. The Browns ran 77 plays for a total of 318 yards, 240 through the air, 78 on the ground. For the Bears, the Bears ran 55 plays, 331 yards of total offense, 253 through the air, 78 yards on the ground. 10 penalties for 75 yards for the Browns, 5 penalties, 48 yards for the Bears. The Bears had two turnovers, two fumbles. The Browns had one turnover, which was the interception. They led in time of possession at 33 minutes and 57 seconds to the Bears, 26 minutes and 3 seconds. So we now know we all know what's going to happen this season with the Browns. We, we know what the whole Deshaun Watson situation is. 
I'm going to say this, and I'm going to be blunt with you Browns fans on this. And I, I, I'm just going to be blunt. I'm just going to tell you straight up to your face right now. I just don't see the Browns making the postseason this year. I don't see them getting far this year. I really don't. I say this team is at least possibly a six-win team this year. A six-win team this year. That's my prediction. A six-year, a six-win team for the Browns this year. Positives, but especially with how the whole, how the whole Baker Mayfield situation ended it up with now Deshaun Watson now being out now for eleven games. I, I, I there's a bit of me that thinks that you know Baker's going to give it to the Browns in Week One and he's going to win, and I, I, I I'm kind of looking forward to it. I really am kind of really looking forward to seeing what's going to happen. What's going to happen with this team going forward. I really am. Really am. Really looking forward to it. Other scores. The Titans were a winner 23-26 over the Arizona Cardinals. The Dolphins a 40-10 win over the Eagles. The Commanders falling to the Ravens 17-15. Tampa falling to the Colts 27-10. The Broncos a 23-13 win over the Minnesota Vikings. The Jets a 31-27 win over the G-Men. And then we get to the final game of preseason that was aired on national television. That was the Lions. Now, no Jerry Goff in this game. No Goff. So you have Blau versus Boyle. The deal who's going to be the backup. I know Blau is going to be our backup. We know it's going to be. So it's getting some good reps. He went 17 for 32 for 160 yards. He had one inter- one touchdown, no interceptions. His ranking was a 77.6. Good. Tim Boyle, 5 for 15, 64 yards, one interception. Jackson, 8 carries, 44 yards. Jefferson, 6 carries, 28 yards. Quempus was the only receiving touchdown. One catch, 5 yards, 1 TD. And that wasn't until the fourth quarter. They were down 13-3 to at one point in this football game. 13-3. to And I know it's preseason. We have to. But looking at it overall, Jackson, 39 yards receiving on two catches. St. Brown, three catches, 34 yards. Hawkinson, one catch, 15 yards. Good to see TJ back out there. In blue A, five, one catch, 15 yards. Good to see some, you know, big runs. But for Pittsburgh, it's Trubisky time. And you have Kenny Pickett there, too. Trubisky's your number one, in my opinion. He's 15. For, he went 15 for 19 for 160 yards, one TD. He was sacked two out of ten times. His QBR rating was a 119.3. Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh University, 10 for 14, 90 yards. If you think, I'm going to say this, too, to Pittsburgh fans. If Trubisky struggles, watch and see Pickett go into the game. I, I think that's going to happen. Snell Jr., five catches, five carries, 17 yards. Warren, seven carries, 11 yards. Sims, four catches, 23 yards, one TD. DeAndre Johnson, one catch, 38 yards. That was, that was the key, big key play there. Team stats look like this. The Lions had 20 first downs to the Pittsburgh Steelers, 17. On third down... 
The Lions were 4 for 17. Pittsburgh was 4 for 13. The Lions were 2 for 4 on fourth down. The Steelers were oh, did not attempt a fourth down play. The Lions has ran 74 plays for 315 yards, 201 through the air, 114 on the ground. For the Steelers, they ran 58 plays at a total of 297 yards, 240 through the air, 57 on the ground. 10 penalties for 89 yards for the Lions, 11 penalties, 95 yards for the Steelers. The Lions had one turnover, which was an interception. They led in possession at 30 minutes and 8 seconds to 29 minutes, 52 for the Steelers. And the Steelers are probably going to be in the same boat as the Lions, as the Browns. They don't know what's what's going to happen. I mean, I can see them being a five-win team this year. I really can. A five-win team is very, very acceptable. Very, very acceptable. So we shall see. We shall see. We get ready next week. Of course, we will be having our special NFL preview edition of all Andy Alford, as it will be yours truly. Uh, uh, Robert Logan Carr will be joining me as well as Lucas Sigerson and a guest to be announced in the coming days right here on All Andy Alford for the NFL preview edition of our podcast. We'll give you our predictions for this upcoming season, who will be lifting the Vince Lombardi trophy as well as who we think is going to win out of the AFC North as well as the NFC North as well. So uh, news and notes around the National Football League to pass along to you guys, of course, today. Uh, looks like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo will stay with the 49ers this season. Uh, veteran running back Michelle has been released at, by the Miami Dolphins. Oh, it looks like the Titans have released three-time Pro Bowl kicker Kearns as well. And that's pretty much all the news and notes as teams are now making their final cuts for the pre, for the through the preseason. We'll see how it all shakes out. Going forward, as you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and however you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. And now let's dive into some more football. Let's talk some college football. Week zero has come and passed. Let's take a look at how I did in the, in the predictions and dive into week one. And we'll also dive into the news from Wood County. So we now look ahead at week zero of the college football season. Of course, it took place this past weekend as week zero is your appetizer for this upcoming weekend in college football. Of course, let's take a look at the recap that was this past weekend in week zero. Only big game of the whole weekend was the game that took place over in Ireland this past weekend with the... Northwestern Wildcats taking on the Nebraska Cornhuskers this past weekend as it was a full slate of games as Northwestern getting a big 31-28 win over Nebraska. Uh, I had Nebraska in that one. That was a loss for me. Uh, Western Kentucky getting a win over Austin P 38-27. I had Austin P in that one. That's two losses. UNLV getting a big 52-21 win over Idaho State. That was a win for me. I also had Utah State winning, and they won their game over UConn 31-20 as well. My good friend Logan, who is going to be on the NFL podcast, took out, went over to Champaign-Urbana to see the Fighting Illini, formerly of from Henry Blake from MASH, took on Wyoming, and they slattered the Wyoming team 38-6. to 
Florida State a 47-7 win over Dubuque. I had Illinois and Florida State in that one. FAU a big 43-13 win over Charlotte. I had FAU in that one. North Carolina a 56-24 win over FM FAEMU. Nevada a big 23-12 win over New Mexico State. I had Nevada in that one. I also had North Texas beating UTEP 31-13. I had North Texas in that game. And then I had Hawaii. I figured Hawaii, the late game, could give me something. But Vanderbilt put a shellacking on Hawaii by a score of 63-10 over on the Big Island. So the news today out of Wood County has been one to talk about. We're going to talk about tonight. Um, Of course, you have heard... um, the news today was a, a big shock to me and how this was a, a pretty big shock to see this happen to Bowling Green, especially this close to the start of the football season. And for me... This was a little, like I said, this was a bit of a shock. Bit of a shock. Bit of a shock. And, I mean, to see, to see this young man give up his dream because he needs to focus in on his mental health and his well-being, I gotta, I gotta applaud him. Absolutely, have to applaud him for that. Have to applaud him on that. Just to, just to um, have that happen, it's just unbelievable. And I'm talking about Travion Hester, the running back. Or Bowling Green, he announced today that he will not be participating this season with the Bowling Green State University Falcon football team. In a statement he released today, Dreon Jute Stewart said, quote, uh, I love every moment with you guys shared with me. I also, I, and I love... Love you guys showed the love you guys showed me. Football is my meditation, my medicine, and my happiness. I will be missing the 2022 season to focus more on my health and academic responsibility. It will not be a long time before I come back. I wish you boy, my boys, the best to take on this season over. I wish I will miss all of my seniors and all the guys that I know that are going to make the NFL after the season. I pray for the best of all y'all boys on that field. Hashtag talents up. Hashtag forever. I love y'all. See you soon. So we wish uh, Terion Stewart the best in his recovery as well as his academic uh, responsibility. You know, we are with you all the way on this. And uh, Scott Leffler had his his press conference today. And uh, we want to play that for you guys here in just a few moments. You'll hear hear Jordan Strack bring a mention to it as well. He brought up a a question towards it, but it's... uh, it's a 13-minute audio as as we get ready for Bowling Green's first game of the season. It will be the first time a Mac school has ever played in the Rose Bowl. The Bowling Green State University Falcons travel out 
on Saturday afternoon, 2.30 Eastern kickoff. It'll be a, about 11.30 Eastern kickoff over in Pasadena as you, they'll play the UCLA Bruins. So now, here it is. The first time in this new studio, and the first time you'll hear from our coach, Scott Leffler, previewing the UCLA game this upcoming weekend. Captains, Carl Brooks and uh, Walt Hare on defense and uh, Matt McDonald on offense. I think the, uh, the unit, or excuse me, the team did a great job of uh, picking three excellent captains, all of which uh, do it the right way on and off the field, uh, do it well in the classroom, and uh, are really good players. So really happy for those guys to, uh, to be a part of, uh, of the leadership team. And then uh, also uh, excited uh, about our leadership council. We had uh, two guys from uh, each position that were nominated. Super excited about that group in general. This is a player-driven team right now. I think they've been doing uh, all the right things that we've been talking about. And uh, it's excited to uh, sit up here and get college football started. In terms of the offensive offensive line, very important. And, uh, you know, all those guys are going to play. Uh, guys that uh, played last year are going to be a, a vital role also uh, in this uh, in this offensive line. But uh, it was really important. We had to, we had a, a bunch of freshmen out there last year and sophomores that needed to actually have another year in the weight room. For some of them, this gives us the opportunity to redshirt some and get them stronger. And uh, we knew that uh, for the longevity of this program, we needed to do this. Uh, and we needed to also not go down the transfer portal last year so we could have some depth, build our lines for the future. So this was imperative to our, uh, to our team, not only for this year, but also for longevity. I love, uh, I love Tarion. Um, but it's, uh, it's my responsibility as his coach and it's the university's responsibility to protect his privacy. And we're going to do that. And, uh, I'm not going to comment on, uh, Terry on, um, anymore in terms of, uh, that situation. Uh, the team was explained the situation inside now, and, uh, that's going to be an in-house matter the rest of the year. Well, we're fortunate. You know, the one area that, uh, that we thought that we were, uh, had a, a lot of really good players was the running back position. And uh, we're excited about these guys. And uh, what we're going to do is uh, it'll be a, a little bit of a committee, uh, running back by committee. They all have different styles, uh, but we're excited about all of them. It gives me goosebumps, actually, when you were making those comments, the, the hair stands on your neck and your arms. It's, a, it's an unbelievable venue. Uh, always has been, always will. I think it's my favorite bowl game, hands down. You know, whenever all the kids that were my age or your age, Jordan, we, we were playing uh, football on uh, New Year's Day 
imagining that you know we were going to be in the Rose Bowl, and uh, that uh, is one special game. And I think our kids are uh, going to have a great, uh, great opportunity to play a very good football team in an unbelievable venue. Coach, what kind of challenge does Dorian Thompson Robinson post your defense? Yeah, he's he's excellent in every aspect of the word. Dangerous is uh, all get out and. Uh, you know, we gotta. We we've said it from the beginning. There's there's two guys that we definitely have to tackle really well as the running back and the quarterback. They're exceptional. How do you keep this game from getting too big, Coach? You just mentioned the fact you've had some experience here. You got you know, your centers played out there before as well. But how do you keep that environment from kind of overtaking the team and then not hitting the ground running the first game? Well, I was more concerned about that in all actuality last year and our Notre Dame experience just because of the amount of youth. Last year in particular, opening up against Tennessee with uh, all 18 and 19 year old kids. I think uh, this team is much more mature. Uh, I don't think a stadium or a crowd or what have not is gonna phase them one one bit whatsoever. Uh, They've been there, they've done it. And uh, we just need to go out there and uh, worry about the important things, worry about what we can control and play our, our tails off. And uh, we just need to go out there and uh, worry about the important things, worry about what we can control and play our, our tails off. What's the feeling like this year compared to the previous couple of years about where the roster is in terms of just being competitive? Yes, there's no, that's a great question, Jordan. Uh, you know, these first three years here, it was hard sitting up here and hard standing in front of the team in all actuality and, uh, you know, saying and in, in your mind going, okay, we're not, we don't have enough guys to be super competitive. And that's been challenging. Year one uh, was challenging. The COVID year was a disaster. And last year we felt that we had uh, yeah, some really good character guys that were young, but we were just too young to win. Um, are we completely where we want to be as a team at Bowling Green? No, but we're so we are so much closer, and I think we could have a very competitive team in the Mid American Conference this year. We got to stay healthy. Um, we got to do our jobs. We got to stay within the framework of the offense, defense, special teams, and uh, I think um, we are going to have a chance to be a competitive football team. And that's the first time that I can stand up here and look you in the eye and go, "Yeah, we got a chance." and uh, is that a guaranteed? Absolutely not. I think the uh, the addition of the transfer portal made this thing possible this year. Uh, whenever you really look at it realistically, um, with just high school kids, I don't know if we would be ready and be in the situation that we are now. We've got we were very fortunate to uh, to did we did well in the uh, transfer portal. We've got good character guys and guys that can play, so it's going to help our team for sure. Follow up on that, Coach. What do you? Where should the fans expect to see the biggest difference in this team versus, say, last year's team, in particular teams before that? When you talk about experience and depth and, and some senior leadership and a, and a player-led team, where we're we going to see that? Well, I hope. I hope to goodness we can see us finish games. Uh, we had opportunities last year with the youngest team in America to win seven games. If you really looked at it, we let games slide right out of our hands, and uh, that was major cause of that was uh, age and what we were doing during the week. We would have an unbelievable Tuesday and we'd have the worst Wednesday practice you've ever seen. We were inconsistent. So we could beat anyone in the country and we could lose to anyone in the country. And that was evident. So 
the, the thing that we want to see here is consistency and being able to finish games, being able to make those two or three plays that we didn't make last year to put ourselves in position to win the game. Coach, how do you think you've matured as a coach this offseason from your three-year before? Um, much better, yeah, hands down. I mean, <laughs> whenever you're rebuilding and, and guys are in and out of the program, it wasn't a lot of fun, to be quite honest with you. Our first two years here, and our players, we, we laugh about it all the time. The guys that have made it through my tenure here, we laugh. And uh, I'm probably a totally different person than I, than I was uh, then and now. Um, I'm back to being uh, super uh, positive, upbeat. Uh, I'll still address problems and still stern in addressing problems, but... Um, there was nothing fun about the first two years and, at all. Nothing. Zero. And I uh, hope to goodness that I never have to go back and experience totally rebuilding a program from absolutely ground up. When it comes to the Rose Bowl experience, you touched on that, but what about the opportunity for your West Coast kids like McDonald's, Austin, Austin? Or two. <laughs> oh, that's, it's great for them. I think Matt will be the last one of the McDonald's to, uh, to play in the Rose Bowl, so... I think he's got, yeah, he's got two other brothers that played. His dad played in it, obviously. So I think he's the, uh, the last McDonald to play. So very excited for, for both him and Austin. Any more questions for Coach? When you look at this defense, um, how confident are you with the group you've got going in right now? And what's the overall feeling on the defense side? UCLA's defense? Yours. Our defense. Yours. Our defense, uh, they're old, which is good. Uh, there's enough youth in there that has talent to mix with our age. And, uh, you know, when we started this thing, um, probably a little bit different than regular Mac schools, we were going to try to build the defense, very similar to what Clawson did. And uh, I think our defensive front will be as competitive as anyone in the Mac. And uh, I like our front seven. I think we've got some maturity and some guys that can run in the back end. And, uh, you know, they got to play well, plain and simple. They are our older group of, uh, of uh, players, and uh, we're going to expect them to do a lot for us. Can I follow up on that, Coach? You had some success on the back end in defense last year. Of course, the numbers show that. But on the offense, it wasn't great uh, production. Um, take a look at the offense this year versus last year as well. Yeah, I think uh, – the difference is, is, you know, I think Matt's going to be able to stay upright a heck of a lot more than what, I mean, you look, you look at what that guy went through these last two years, and it's tough to play quarterback with, uh, with that type of protection, and then you start doing things that are way outside the box, and the next thing you know, you've created your own problems, and uh, I think we'll be able to protect him much better, and we got guys that can score finally. Uh, there's some guys on the perimeter that uh, that are different than we've had here and they can run they can catch they're big they're physical and i can't you know i can't think of a moment um i'm sure there's one or two that we catch a five yard slant and go score and go 70. i, I can't remember ever doing that here so we've got some guys that can they can catch the quick touches catch the quick game we've got guys that can stretch the field and they can catch so um, we're really excited about uh, the guys on the perimeter for sure. You guys dropped on Peyton as well. You put him on scholarship the other day. Um, what has he done to, to earn that? I love Peyton. Oh, my gosh. Like, number one, 
he's a great student too. He's a great person and he's really been super productive for us. Uh, I think he's going to be a great special teams ga- uh, guy. He's going to find his way into the offense. Um, he's been through absolute hell these last three years uh, personally and um, I can't be in, I, in our group. You know, when you put a guy on scholarship and the whole room explodes, he's well-liked and well-respected. And uh, everyone knew in the room, we had a scholarship left over, and uh, everyone knew in the room that that guy deserved it. It was like not even a question. So it was cool. It was awesome. It's, a, it's one of the few cool, cool things left in our great game is the old school of taking care of a walk-on that deserves it. So that was cool. The last thing I want to ask you is, I think Matt has gotten a fair share, fair share of criticism outside of this building the last couple of years, but you've never wavered in your confidence in him. What is it about him that has allowed you to stay confident in him? I played quarterback before, and uh, people that haven't played quarterback before uh, don't necessarily get it. And uh, there's times that... Uh, that he's going to play this year and he's going to have 400 yards passing and four touchdowns and I'm going to pub or not publicly in the in the meeting room goes this isn't good enough you didn't play well worth it worth a darn and then there's going to be times that uh, the defense is playing extremely well and we have to throw the ball away we have to do this to protect the ball and the next thing you know your numbers aren't great but you find a way to win uh, people look at that and look at numbers and all that and they go why didn't he he didn't play very well well he actually played damn good so um i think probably um that i've been around guys that i know can do it i've been around guys that i knew couldn't do it and uh we protect him with the weapons that we have he stays inside the box he'll have a great senior year so you just heard the head coach of the bowling green state university falcons scott leffler in his uh pre-game uh, pre-meeting, pre-week one meeting against UCLA, uh, talking about the offense. And, you know, I have a lot of expectations on this team this year. I really do. This is year four under the Leffler regime. I I, I want to see this team succeed. I really do. Are we going to have the days of Dave Clawson this year? I, I don't think so. But what he heard, what you heard him say, Gives me a little bit of optimism. And so, we're going to look at their schedule. We're going to look at my Falcons schedule first and foremost. They will open this Saturday, 2.30 kickoff against UCLA. That's a loss. They come back home on September 10th to play Eastern Kentucky. That will be a win. Marshall will play the Marshalls of Fighting Herd on the 17th. On Saturday, September 17th, that is a win. In my opinion, that is a win. They'll travel down to Mississippi State. That's going to be a loss. They'll be competitive in that game. They could pull an upset. But I think Mississippi State will get the better of them. On October 1st, they will travel to Akron to battle the Zips. I'll take Bowling Green in that one. They host Buffalo the 10th of the 8th of October. I'll take Bowling Green in that one. So there's one, two, three, four wins there. Two losses. They play Miami of Ohio. This is a, this one's a toss-up for me. Miami's pretty good this year. 
I think Bowl, but they'll have the home game for that one. I take Bowling Green in that one. Then they travel to Central Michigan. I think they'll lose against Central Michigan. They'll play Western. I think at home they'll probably lose that one. the The key game here is the 9th of November. They'll play at home against Kent State, and Kent State in the coaches' preseason poll is predicted to be the winning team out of the MAC East. I think that's a good statement. I think Kent State will get the better of Bowling Green with that one. The two wins, other than that, the final two games, are are interesting. Bowling Green has a game against Toledo. It's a Tuesday night. They have officially announced the time for the game now. A 7 o'clock kickoff on Tuesday, the 15th of November. I'll be freezing my ass off out there. I think Bowling Green can take them. I really, really do. I think they can. I think Toledo is going to be one of those teams that you're going to be. They're going to they're going to jump out and they're going to struggle. And I'll show you. I'll tell you why here in a minute. But then Bowling Green hosts goes to uh, Athens to battle Ohio. I think they'll win there. So if you look at it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and five record for BG. With the key wins over Toledo, I think. And I'll say Miami of Ohio. And possibly a Mississippi State. They could pull it out. So there's that. I have Bowling Green at 7-5 this season making a bowl game. I really do. I think so. Their odds against UCLA, right now they are a 24.5 point underdog. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. All right, let's talk some other teams, of course. We'll keep on the max side. Let's talk Toledo. Toledo starts their season off against uh, Long Island University on Thursday, 7 o'clock kickoff for that one. Let's look at the Toledo schedule. Toledo travels at home for two quick home games. They'll play Long Island University. That's a win. UMass, that's a win. They travel to the shoe to battle Ohio State. That is definitely a loss. Toledo then goes across the country to San Diego State. That is a loss. They play Central Michigan at home. 330 kick. That's a loss. Although there's three losses right there. They travel to Northern Illinois to play the Huskies. That's a loss. Play Kent State. This right here, if Toledo could beat Kent State then that means that they could play probably for the MAC championship. But they would have to have Central Michigan and NIU run the table, lose the table. I don't think so. Kent State's really good this year. Take Kent State. So there's one, two, three, four, five losses right there. They're two and five. They play Buffalo. That's a win. They'll play Eastern. That's a win. They'll play Ball State. That's a win. They finish the season at Western. That's a loss. So the Bowling Green game gets them to five and seven. Not make it a bowl game. I think that's what's going to happen. So I have Toledo at five and seven this season. So there's that. Now let's look at the Big Ten situation. Okay. 
and it's just plain and simple for me. I'm going to tell you Ohio State's going to run this table. Ohio State's going to run the table. I have one hiccup. I have one hiccup for this team. And that will be possibly this Saturday against Notre Dame. I'm just tipping my hand really quickly toward my week one predictions. There. I think they lose that game. I think Notre Dame, they're playing this Notre Dame game uh, much. Ohio State's a 17.5 point favorite in this Notre Dame game. I'm just tipping my hand there. I think Notre Dame's got something interesting to show. Then you have at home against Arkansas State. That's a win. At home against Toledo, that's a win. Wisconsin versus Ohio State, that's a toss-up to me. I think Ohio State gets the better of them. I think they I think they run the table. The only two games that I think could get them would be the 29th of October against Penn State at Penn State. That's going to be the whiteout game. And the other game is the last game of the year against Michigan at Ohio State. But I think this Saturday's game against Notre Dame is a huge game for both both franchises and both recruiting classes. If Ohio State thumps Notre Dame, which everybody thinks they are, that pretty much solidifies that they're going to run the table. If Notre Dame does beat Ohio State, then there's there's some flaws. There's some flaws. Let's look at Michigan. Michigan opens with Colorado State. But let's look at the Michigan schedule really quickly. Michigan has at home against Hawaii. That's a win. At home against UConn. That's a win. They play Maryland. That's a win. They go to Iowa. That's a loss. At Indiana, that's a win. Host Penn State, that's a win. The big one, of course, the 29th of October, Michigan State comes to Ann Arbor. That's a loss. Rutgers, win. Nebraska, win. Illinois, win. Then it goes to that Ohio State game. Can Ohio State get the job done and try to rebound from last year's loss against Michigan? Can that happen? I think they can. So you have one, two, three losses. So a nine and three record. Michigan at nine and three. I have Ohio State at eleven and one. Michigan State really quickly. I know you want to. You, 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 you. I know a lot of people want me to say about Michigan State really quickly because I have some Michigan State fans on here. Michigan State has Western Michigan at home. That's a win. They play Akron at home. That's a win. They go to West Washington. That's a loss. They're two and one. They host Minnesota. That's a win. They go to Maryland. That's a win. They host Ohio State. That's a loss. That's two losses. Host Wisconsin, that's a win. Go to Michigan, that's a win. Go to Illinois, that's a win. Rutgers, win. Indiana, win. Penn State, loss. So one, two, three loss, a 9-3 and three record for Michigan State. And to top it off is Notre Dame. We'll look at Notre Dame really quickly because I know all you Notre Dame fans – 
you know, it's Notre Dame Andy talking now. Notre Dame Andy talking. All right. Notre Dame has Ohio State. I have a feeling they're going to pull an upset win this weekend. I really do. That 17 and a half points just scares me. I think Notre Dame wins. So that's a win. At home against Marshall, that's a win. At home against California, that's a win. On the road at North Carolina, that's a win. They host BYU, that's a win. So they're 5 and 0. Host Stanford, that's a win. UNLV, that's a win. At Syracuse, that's a win. They then play Clemson. That's the first loss. At home against Navy, at home against Notre Dame, at home against Boston College, on the road to USC. A ten and two, or eleven or eleven and one, for Notre Dame. So there's that. With that all in mind, here is the predictions for Week One of the college football. I know you've been all waiting for this. So here we go. We'll start with the top 25. It'll all start Thursday. Oklahoma State plays Central Michigan. 7 o'clock kick on FS1. Take it Oklahoma State. West Virginia travels to Pittsburgh to take on the Pitt Panthers. Pitt, 17th ranked in the country. I'll take the Mountaineers of West Virginia. Wake Forest hosts VMI. 7.30 kick on ACC Network. I'll take Wake Forest. Texas A&M on Saturday. Sixth ranked in the country to play Sam Houston. Noon kickoff on SEC Network. I'm taking Texas A&M. North Carolina State battles Eastern Carolina. Noon kickoff on ESPN. I will take North Carolina State. The Chick-fil-A 3.30 kickoff. 11th ranked Oregon versus 3rd ranked Georgia. The defending national champions will get a loss. I will take the Oregon Ducks. UTEP will travel to Oklahoma to battle the Sooners. 3.30 kick on Fox. I'll take Oklahoma. Miami, Florida, tells Benyun. 3.30 kick on ACC Network. I'll take Miami. 23rd ranked Cincinnati travels down to Arkansas to battle the Pigs. 3.30 kick on ESPN. I'm taking Cincinnati in that game. That's an ups- one of the upset specials. 24th ranked Houston travels to University of Texas to San Antonio. 3.30 kickoff. Houston, 24th ranked in the country. Four-point favorites in this game. I'm taking taking University of Texas to San Antonio. That's an upset. 24 goes down. Ole Miss hosts Troy. 4 o'clock kick on SEC Network. I'm taking Ole Miss. 25th ranked BYU goes on the road to South Florida. I'm taking the Cougars to BYU. 14th ranked USC battles Rice. 6 o'clock kick on the Pac-12 network. I'm taking USC. Here is the scooter upset special of the weekend. 7th ranked Utah travels to Florida. Utah a three-point favorite in this game. I'm taking the Gators. To beat Utah. I, I have no faith in why Utah is ranked that freaking high. I don't believe it. 10th ranked Baylor hosts Albany. I'll take Baylor. Pretty simple. 20th ranked Kentucky battles Miami of Ohio. I will take Kentucky. Number one ranked Alabama. The Crimson Tide will take on Utah State. 
At a 41.5 point favorite in this one, I will take Alabama in that one. And then the concluding game of the whole top 25, other than the Big Ten games and the other games, well, I'll make mention. Fourth ranked Clemson takes on Georgia Tech in the Chick fil A kickoff game. I at um I will take Clemson in that one. Now let's take a look at the Big Ten really quickly. Big Ten looks like this. Penn State travels to Purdue, eight o'clock kick on Fox. Penn State a three and a half point favorite in this game. I'm taking Penn State. New Mexico State travels to Minnesota to battle the Gophers. Minnesota, 36 and a half point favorite. I'm taking Minnesota. I told you I'd take Michigan State over Western Michigan Friday. Illinois travels to Indiana. Indiana, a three point favorite. I'm taking Illinois in that one. The Saturday slate, South Dakota State, the Jackals go into Iowa to battle the Hawkeyes. I'll take Iowa. Maryland hosts Buffalo. Noon kick on BTN. Taking Maryland. Boston College hosts Rutgers. Noon kickoff on ACC Network. Taking Boston College to beat Rutgers. North Dakota travels to Nebraska to battle the Cornhuskers. I'll take Nebraska to bounce back. Illinois State goes to number 18th ranked Wisconsin. I will take the Badgers in that one. And then we get to Michigan. Noon kickoff on ABC. 8th ranked Michigan taking on Colorado State. I will take Michigan in that one, which sets up the game of the weekend and the national game. is fifth-ranked Notre Dame heads down to Columbus to battle the Ohio State University. Ohio State a 17.5-point favorite. Upset special, ladies and gentlemen. Take Notre Dame. To beat Ohio State. The new coaching staff. The new regime. Is going to have this team ready to play. I'm taking Notre Dame. In this one. Which sets up now the Mid-America Conference games. Really quickly. Starts off on Thursday. St. Francis of PA takes on Akron. That's an upset. I'm taking St. Francis of PA. To beat Akron. Tennessee hosts Ball State. Tennessee, 35-point favorite. I'm taking Tennessee. Eastern Illinois versus Northern Illinois, NIU. Long Island University takes on Toledo. Toledo, a 42.5-point favorite. I'm taking Toledo. Eastern Michigan takes on Eastern Kentucky. 7 o'clock kickoff on on Friday, September 2nd. Take Eastern Michigan, which sets up the Saturday slate of games, of course. Ohio takes on FAU. I'd take FAU in that game. Showed me a lot. Kent State travels across the country to take on Washington. I'll take Washington in that one. And then it sets up the game at 2.30 on the Pac-12 network as UCLA takes on our Bowling Green State University Falcons. Like I said, UCLA a 24.5 point favorite in this one. I think Bowling Green can keep it competitive. It'd be very nice to see them keep it competitive. Maybe keep it within a touchdown or two touchdowns. But I just don't see it see us going in our way. I'm taking UCLA, unfortunately, in this one. Let's get back at it in week two against Eastern Kentucky at home. At the Doit. We'll see. So that is week one. We've got a lot to get to, too, for week two next week on All Andy Offered. As you're listening to All Andy Offered tonight, right here 
on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and where, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. And now let's hit the links. Let's talk a little golf as well. Let's talk a little ice hockey as well. So now let's hit the links and let's talk a little golf, of course, and let's do a little recap on what happened this past weekend on the golf course. Let's start off first and foremost with the PGA. The men's tour is officially all done. The tour championship took place this past weekend, and Rory McIlroy wins at East Lake, winning the FedEx Cup, winning the tournament, shooting 21 over par. His four rounds consisted of 67, 67, 63, and 66 for a total round of 263. He shot 21 under par. He wins the tour championship. M finishes in tie for second with Scotty Scheffler, both at 20 under par. Xander Shoffley finishes in fourth at 18 under par. Uh, Justin Thomas finishes tied for fifth with Hora, who at 17 under par. Patrick Cantley finishes tied for seventh with Strucka and at 16 under par. Tony Finau in ninth at 20, at 15 under par. Hodge at 14 under par at t- at 10th place. Uh, Jordan Spieth tied for 13th with uh, Wise at 12 under par. Hideki Matsuyama tied for 11th with Jared Neiman. Well, Victor Hovland tied for 15th with Preston at 11 under par. John Rahm also at 11 under par. And Mika Fitzpatrick at 11 under par as well. Uh, Colin Morcar, 8 under par. Finishes tied for 21st. Billy Horschel, 8 under par. Tied for 21st. Hartman at 8 under par. Tied for 21st. Uh, and then after that, you have Adam Scott at four under par at 25th, Kyle Connors at three under par, Lee at one under par in 27th, and Scott Starlings at three over par in 29th. That ends the PGA for the season. Roy McElroy is your champion. But professional golf is not done, of course. Like I mentioned before, Next weekend is the Live Tournament that's ha- taking place in Boston at the International Oak Course. So the Live Tournament continues on. However, we have a big tournament that's happening here, my friends. And this past weekend, they were up in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada at the Ottawa Hunt and Golf Club. The purse was $2.35 million in the CP Women's Open. And it was Paula Rinto. Winning the tournament at 19 under par. Her four rounds consisted of a 62, 69, 67, and 67 for a total round of 265 total points. Tie for second was Nellie Corda at 18 under par and Henry Choi at 18 under par. Lydia Ko in fourth at 17 under par. Aileen Kim at 16 under par. Shara Schwarzel tied at six with Rin An. At 15 under par. Emma Talley in 8th spot at 13 under par. Uh, Young Kim at 12 under par. Tied for ninth with uh, Lee and Lynn. As well as Duncan. All tied for ninth spot. Uh, Kang at 11 under par. Tied for 13th. Uh, Jagundan at 11 under par. Tied for 13th. And the defending uh, Marathon Classic. And now Dana Open champion. Nasa Hatakora at 11 under par. And Carolyn Segunda at 11 under par. Tied for 13th. Uh, Salas finishes in 10th. Yang finishes at 10th, as well as Hartford at 10 under par as well, too. Jessica Corder finishes tied for 17th at 10 under par, with Yo, uh, Ken, Daniel Kang at 10 under par, and Yo at 10 under par. Elena Sharp finishes 10 under par, 
as well as Venu at 10 under par. Tied for 26 was Green, Corpez, Schwartz, and Martin, as well as Machine and Emery at tie for 26. Uh, Lexi Thompson finishes tied for 36. Uh, other notes, Cheyenne Knight tied for 36 as well, too. Uh, Stacey Lewis tied for 49th with Brooke Henderson, who was tied for 49th at 5 under par. Jean Lee, 6, 5 under par as well, too. Brittany Ademeyer, also 5 under par as well, too. Jennifer Kupchow tied for 56 at 4 under par, as well as uh, Joey Inward Standoff at 3 under par, tied for 61st with Lee, 5 as well as, as well, too. So that is the top 76 that made the cut for the CP Open. We now turn over to the LPGA event that's taking place this upcoming weekend at Highland Meadows Golf Course. We will be on the course. We are setting a course for Highland Meadows this upcoming week. We'll have a special preview edition of the podcast of all Andy Elford, the Dana Open on Wednesday night. It will be a special uh, half-hour edition, which will get you set with the field as well as with the course, and to get you ready for the marathon, formerly the Marathon Classic, now the Dana Open, presented by Marathon in Sylvania, Ohio. Looking forward to the big tournament this upcoming weekend as well. Uh, wanted to get the field for you guys here. Just a quick second. The top 25 golfers in the world are going to be playing in this tournament. I'm ecstatic for this. You know, we have been covering this tournament now for the last, I want to say five, no, excuse me, last seven or eight years. And this tournament is one of the best tournaments out there. And I, I enjoy covering this. The purse this year is $1.75 million. Um, tickets, you can't buy tickets anymore online. You have to buy them at the gate. Um, let me get you the field here just really quickly as I'm pulling it all up right now as we speak right here on All Andy for tonight right here on the Anchor Network. As, like I mentioned, the top 25 golfers are out. The final field is set. And here is the list of some of the players that will be playing in the the Dana Open presented by Marathon. I can pull it up here really quickly for you guys here. Kind of acting a little fidgety here. For you guys, as I'm pulling it up, I'm sorry I'm taking so long. I do apologize. I should have had it all teed up. But it was good to see uh, Rito getting a getting her first time LPGA Tour win. And, you know, it, it, it it's good to see. It's good to see somebody somebody new winning a tournament. It's a 70, like I said, it's the the event began in 1984 and was off the schedule in 2011. It has come back. Uh, like I mentioned, some of the players 
Uh, let's see here. Wants to act a little fidgety for me here, so let me pull it up on another page here for you guys. Uh, let me pull it up here. Here we go. Final field list is out. Here it is. LPGA. Here it is. The Top players, top 80 are as follows that are in the tournament. Uh, the invitee spaces, uh, Aline Kircher, Audrey Ryu, and Natasha Andre O have all invited were invited spaces. There's two qualifying spaces that are still going to be in there, but Lucy Lee, Lynn Duncan, top 10 previous week, have entered into it. But the top 80 are in here. Lydia Ko, Nasa Hadakura, Lexi Tanchin, Minji Lee, Brooke Henderson, Seyoung Kim, Danielle Kang, Mori Chagunda, Jin Lee Six, Leona McGuire, Yuka Sasso, uh, Salas, So Young Ryu, uh, Inji Chung, Jennifer Cupcho, Hannah Green, Gabby Lopez, Amy Yang, Megan Kang, Nada Corsin Maslin, uh, Eddie Sandstrom, Sue Oh, Elizabeth Skrokol. Aline Kim, Brittany Adamar, Callum Messon, Stacey Lewis, Charlie Hull, Amy Olson, Laura Stevenson, Jasmine Suwanapura, Chella Choi, Carol Zagunda, Emma Talley, Jenny Coleman, Sarah Kemp, Patrice Delacour, Sarah Swartzel, Jen Lee Five, Mel Reed, Minji Lee, Adi Haskol, Jennifer Song, Abuela Venezuela, uh, Christy Kerr, uh, Brittany Lang, Cheyenne Knight is in this one too. Uh, the the champion from this past weekend, Paula Retro, is in this tournament as well as Kelly Tang and Drybridge as well as Mendoza and so many more. Paula Kramer is in this tournament as well. Danielle. Diane Finkelstein, Lauren Conklin, Brianna Doe, Full Slate, Brooke Matthews. A lot of players in this tournament that have will make their way to Highland Meadows Golf Course this upcoming weekend. So here is the programming schedule for you guys. We will have a special edition of All NDL for this Wednesday to preview the Marathon Classic, go over the full field, and you'll hear also my predictions for this upcoming tournament as well. And we will also dive into what the past winners, as well as we'll listen to some of the, my, some of the best calls from last season of the former Marathon Classic, now the Dana Open, presented by Marathon. Thursday, we will be on the course. We'll have a special edition of all Andy Elford post Round one coverage, we'll give you the leaderboard, we'll give you what we've seen on the course for the day, as well as what's happening. Friday and Saturday, we will be live from the ninth hole at Highland Meadows Golf Course in the stands with you, the fans, giving you some coverage. 
We'll be doing the podcast live from there. We will also have a special edition, of course, at the end of the end of round two to get you set up for transition day, movement day on Saturday. We'll be there on the course on Saturday from the ninth hole again, as well as walking around the course with some of the best golfers in the world to get you set up for championship Sunday. Yes, we will be on the course on Sunday for a special post-game edition. Yours truly and our analysts, and excuse me, and one of my and a co-host, my co-host for the evening. It will be Logan Robert Logan Carr for a special post edition of the Dana Open presented by Marathon right here on All Andy Alford. It's going to be a great weekend. You know, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, follow the subscribe to the podcast. We do shows each day of the Marathon Classic. Wednesday is the pro am. Um, I was looking it up for you guys here. I am actually going to look it up for you right now really quickly. Uh, let's see here. Here it is. Uh, have they announced yet the... Here it is. They haven't announced yet who is playing in the official Pro-Am this upcoming year of the Marathon Classic. Um, I'm trying to see who's playing in the Pro-Am for Wednesday's edition. Um, Let me see here if I can pull it up for you guys really quickly. I know I should have been prepared on this, but... Let's see here. Yeah, the Pro-Am, the gates open for the public for the first time on Wednesday, 6 a.m. Tomorrow night, tomorrow's coverage, there's practice rounds all day at Highland Meadows. The Dana Pro-Am is at 8.30 at Inverness Club. The Key Bank Putting Pro-Am will take place from 11 a.m. to 1.30 on the main putting green. There'll be a party at the Huntington Center from 6 until 10 tomorrow night. That is the 19th hole party presented by OI with the girl named Tom performing tickets are still available for that tickets starting off at $25 like I said the program is on Wednesday sat Thursday September 1st first round covered senior day all seniors age 55 and up will receive free admission for the opening round the gates open at 6 30 Friday healthcare heroes day if you are a first responder a healthcare professional you get into the Marathon for free. Gates open at 6.30. Saturday, third round coverage will be Blade Day. So it will be 7 a.m. is when the gates open. They expect it to be a 4 p.m. finish for that one. Sunday, final round, 4 p.m. finish is Family Day, presented by Directions Credit Union. All families will receive mission to the final round. Gates open at 6 a.m. Sunday morning. For the final round of the Dana Open presented by Marathon. So there is that for you guys. And like I said, we don't know who's in the Dana Open Pro-Am. Who's playing in the Dana Open Pro-Am. I would like to know who's playing in the Dana Open Pro-Am. It's any celebrity or anything like that. But like I said, we will be at the ninth hole Friday and Saturday to do all Andy Alfred. Uh, Thursday, we will be on the course. We'll have a special post edition of all Andy Alfred 
from the studios here. We'll come back to the studios, tape the show on Sunday. We'll be on the course for the post game with uh, Robert Logan Carr. He'll have some thoughts on his, on his feelings of the event. He has never been to a, the, this event, so I, I'm look, I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing somebody's opinion on what's hap- what his, their first opinion is of women's professional golf in Toledo because he didn't get to go to the Dana he didn't get to go to the Solheim Cup but he did go he, this is his first time going there uh NHL news I wanted to pass along to you too uh Jack Eichel feels good and he's expected a big season with the uh Vegas Golden Knights Aiden Hill was acquired by the Vegas Golden Knights in a trade with the San Jose Sharks on Monday for our fourth round pick to the 2024 draft um we're 17 days away from from tra- from uh, the Traverse City camp, which means we're 21 days away from training camp starting in the National Hockey League. Just gonna put that out there for you guys. Looking forward to it. As you are listening to All Andy Offer tonight, this long edition of All Andy Offer tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever. And whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now it's time for the coming to the end of the program. And it's now time for Andy Rance. So we've come down to the end of our program tonight. And it's now time for Andy Rance. And first and foremost, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts each day this week for the Dana Open presented by Marathon. It is going to be a fantastic week right here on the All Andy Alford Network right here, powered by Anchor. And follow us on our social media platforms, whether it be on Twitter, at AllAndyAlford, or at Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlford. Facebook Live will probably be on, on on Friday from the course, from the ninth hole. Uh, it looks like it's going to be me and my wife doing the course on Friday. Saturday, yours truly will be there by himself. Uh, Sunday, like I mentioned with uh, Logan, on Sunday for the final round for Championship Sunday, uh, so let's let, let it's time for Andy Rants tonight, and I wanted to close tonight with my thoughts on what happened this past weekend. And this past weekend was probably one of the best, one of the nicest, biggest weekends weekends for yours truly, as it was the 56th annual German American Festival that took place out at Oak Shade Grove. I have never seen so many people in my entire life. I, I just couldn't believe the outmourning of people that were there this past weekend. And I want to say a couple things. First and foremost, I want to thank uh, Derek and Julie. From the bottom of my heart, for me and Amanda, we want to thank you for letting us be a part of this festival, being a, being a pair of runners and being a pair of uh being a part of your team for this event. It was truly, truly a pleasure to work with you guys, to have fun with you guys, to drink, to sell the product to the great people of Oregon and Northwest Ohio, and you know to have a great time. We, I honestly had a fantastic time um, doing this event. And I, we, like I told Derek, I said, we'll be back next year, we'll be back the next year, and we'll be back the year after that we'll keep coming back because it is one of the premier events now saturday was probably the busiest i've ever seen in my seven years of working at the gaf uh it was constant 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 
Sunday was a little bit more tamer, but it was a little bit chaotic. But it was all in all a fun time. Uh, drank 96 ounces of beer, which is three boots. Had two shots of Jaeger. Had tons of potato pancakes. Bratwurst. You name it. Uh, found out Sunday evening after we got done working that Mike DeWine and Fran DeWine were at the German-American Fest. It would have been nice to know that and got my picture taken with Mike. But um, I don't know. It was uh, it, w- it was really a pleasure. Real pleasure to uh, have the governor and, his fr- and the first lady be there for this great festival. And uh, to all of you that came out to the German-American Fest, you not only just helped out, you know, not only had a great time, but you also helped out a great society in the German-American Society uh, and the Bavarian Sports Club and all the great clubs out there. I say thank you. Thank you for for performing all your performance. Thank you to the bands. Thank you to all the vendors that came, to all those that came out and supported this great festival. We'll be back for the 57th year. We don't, I don't know offhand the date's going to be off yet. They haven't announced it yet since they haven't had to say the dates yet, but, you know, it's going to be fun. Now, I will say this. There were some arrogant people that showed up to the German American Fest on Friday night when I was there. And uh, to those people, you know, shame on you. That's all I have to say about that. Shame on you. Um, for those of you that are also in my close, close-knit circle, this past weekend was a little bit more troubling. Um... Uh, my father, Dennis, was in the, in the hospital for some time, battling pneumonia during this whole time that we were doing German America Fest. Luckily, he is out of the hospital and fully recovered from it. He had antibiotics put into him. He had his heart echo. He came back clear. He's resting comfortably now at the house. So that's good to know to you guys. Uh, we're getting ready for our open houses here at the house. Uh, we'll have the family over on Labor Day weekend, of course, and... Uh, some close friends will be able to come into the house next Saturday night as we get we'll get into it later on down the road. So there is that for all of the news and notes as well. So yeah, uh, to to the great people that uh, listen to the show, I say thank you. I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. We'll be back on Wednesday for a special edition of All Andy Elfer, like I mentioned before, for the preview of the Dana Open. Uh, we'll preview that. We'll have round one coverage on Thursday, special editions on Friday and Saturday, and the post game on Sunday. And then the following Monday, we'll be off for Labor Day. We'll be back on the air on Tuesday for the special NFL pre. We're going to be taping the NFL show on Tuesday night. We'll have it for you on Thursday. We'll have a special Falcon Friday edition next Friday on Facebook Live. So there is that for you guys. So until I talk to you on Wednesday night, this is Andy Alford saying I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together, the game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home and to my teams, go Jackets! Go Walleye! Oh, by the way, got to make mention of this. Congratulations on the walleye. The walleye did sign a player today. I wanted to make mention of this before we go off the air tonight. The walleye did sign a player today, formerly from the from the Cincinnati Cyclones. His name 
is his name is Kirk Goslin. Goslin played with former Toledo Walleye Josh Kessner at uh, Alabama Huntsville. He was a great, he's a defenseman. He'll be playing with the fish this upcoming season. So there's that for you. So go Walleye. Go Falcons. Get the job done. Get some get some good points and get some good notes notes taken in Pasadena. Go Irish. Go Buckeyes. Go go Spartans and go Wolverines. No, oh, and go go Rockets, guys. Go Lions. Go Browns. And hit them straight, my friends. Because victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat, have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you on Wednesday for another edition of All Andy Alfred. I love you. Talk to you guys then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alfred Network, powered by Anchor. You've been listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you again for tuning into the show tonight. You can be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. The podcast is performed each week right here on the Anchor Network.